Elgin Hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. Thanks once again for joining me today. It's a freezing cold day here in the Twin Cities area. But, well, unfortunately, <laughs> it is what it is. We just got to keep going. The Minnesota Wild this past week in three games went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. <laughs> But that's just part of the story, and I'm almost kind of like heading towards, uh, you know, saying this about the three games. Alright, fuck the game. Because now it's almost like a miniature State of the Wild type episode. Well, you know, it's one of those. I mean, every episode's different. Show The show evolves as the season goes by. Sometimes we just go hard and heavy into the particular games, individual games, and then you get news, this and that. So it's like, well, of course, after the New York Rangers game, the Minnesota Wild blew a two-goal lead, the most dangerous lead in hockey. Yeah, and then uh, after the game, something a lot of people expected after the season that Bruce Boudreaux would not be renewed, but at the end of the day, apparently Bruce Boudreaux fired. So it is what it is. Uh, it was about 9.30 the next morning, something like that. Interesting articles by Michael Russo, this and that. The first one when he talked about how basically he just walked right out when uh, it was a very short conversation, Bruce Boudreaux walked out, and then you had the sit-down, which is extremely rare, which shows what kind of person Bruce Boudreaux is. He's a great guy, uh, very in, uh, very transparent. He'll give you anything. Heck, he's given people his phone number that he doesn't even know. It's kind of cool. Uh, an amazing guy. I wish I could be that lucky. You know, I could text Bruce Boudreaux anytime. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? Even if it takes a day or two to respond, it is what it is. But uh, no, uh, you got to go right into the room. With Bruce Boudreau and Bill Guerin, where basically Bill Guerin followed Bruce Boudreau into his room when he was going to get started to prepare for practice, into his uh, you know his office, Bruce Boudreau's office, of course. Oh, he's got a tongue twister of a name, doesn't he? Bruce Boudreau, or we could just say Boudreau to simplify things. But uh, Bill Guerin comes in behind him, closes the door. Boudreau's basically like, uh huh, something's up here, like he knew basically. And then <laughs> it was just hilarious, or not hilarious, but it's just. Amazing how transparent Boudreaux was. Basically, Bill Guerin says, I'm making a change. Boudreaux replies with, are you firing me? And Guerin says, yes. And Boudreaux replies with, are you effing kidding me? You know, are, are you effing kidding me? Like he was really pissed off, obviously. And then Guerin basically was saying, you're a great coach, blah, blah, blah. You know, just paraphrasing. And then Boudreaux just walked out like, I don't want to effing hear it. It's basically a guess as to what he said or bleep this. I don't care basically what you have to say anymore. And that's how it was. Apparently the two got along just fine. They, they got along just fine, but Boudreaux reiterated in the column, I don't want to say too much. Obviously, go ahead and check it out, obviously. Michael Russo doesn't need my help. He, obviously, he's a, he's a legend. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> of the athletic, of course. But, generally speaking, Boudreaux was talking about how he was he's prepared to get let go at the end of the season. It is what it is. New general manager. He figured, gosh, he survived Paul Fenton, which is like a miracle, basically. Paul Fenton wanted to fire everybody known to man. And then he survives Paul Fenton, him being Boudreaux, of course. And, you know, then he suddenly gets let go in the middle of the season. But, uh, or two-thirds into the season. Let's say starting into the third period, he gets fired during the second intermission, if you want to go with hockey terms, something like that. Uh... But it's like, no matter how much you're expecting it, you're never really ready. Because all of a sudden, you when it happens, you're just still absolutely pissed off. You're frustrated. You're sad. You're kind of worried about your future, this and that. But uh, a lot of people believe Boudreaux will land on his feet. Uh, he is 65 years old. He had a hell of a coaching record in the regular season. But he did have some playoff runs, per se. 
his second year with the Washington Capitals, uh, he was he, he coached in 14 games, so obviously went on a bit of a playoff run there. And then years ago with Anaheim, 16 games. Both both cases went to the conference final, East Conference final in 08-09, which isn't even that long ago. But it's a while now, but it doesn't seem like that long ago. Got uh, reasonably far in 13-14, got to the conference final, the Western Conference final with the Chicago Blackhawks, the hated Blackhawks. I believe that went to a seventh game. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, Anaheim Ducks eliminated by the hated Blackhawks. Had a couple more successful years, or actually just one more year with Anaheim. Had a horrible start that year. And I was thinking, I wonder if they're going to fire him and we could have him. You know, and then they ended up getting way better because Boos Brudos teams always do well. And they still ended up finishing in first place, which is like every single time except in Minnesota. Every single season he coached with Washington and Anaheim. He had five years in Washington and five years in Anaheim. Interesting. Interesting. So, <laughs> and, uh, well, it was kind of the middle of the season with Washington, so it was four and a half years of them, unfortunately. After a disappointing playoff run the previous year, they got to the second round, but didn't do much. They got beat pretty bad in the second round. But, no, uh, he's known for losing Game 7s, this and that, and it's frustrating and all that. But he did win a Game 7 with Washington years ago during one of those playoff runs, the one, the successful playoff run. He did win a Game 7 that season. But, uh, man, <laughs> hell of a run for Boudreaux. Uh, ultimately was let go against Anaheim, or with Anaheim when they lost in only five. You know, they lost in game seven, pardon me. They lost in seven games. I'm looking at our record. Seven games, yeah. <laughs> and they figure that's it. He, he, just, he just can't win seventh games. I mean, you win your division, and you can't even get out of the first round, and they moved on. And I said, get him! And the Wild got him within two days, and I was thrilled. And Wild had their best season ever, 106 points, 106 points. And then got beaten five bleeping games to the bleeping St. Louis Blues. We still didn't win the division because the Blackhawks were that good. But then they got beat by the Nashville Predators, much worse. Predators went on to the Western Conference Championship, ended up losing to the hated Pittsburgh Penguins. They're the Blackhawks of the East, basically. Literally, they were the Blackhawks of the East. And, well, and then the next year, the success, still decent, but not as good. It was a good year, but just not as good. There wasn't that magic of the year before. You know, Stahl getting 40 points and all that, or 40 goals and all that. It was a, still a strong season, though, for everybody. Uh, Granlin had that huge year also back in 16-17. It's just everybody wasn't quite as good the next year, this and that. It was a little frustrating. Hollow was gone also. That weird trade and all that where Hollow was let go to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. We ended up trading Tuck to protect Dumba, this and that. So it's frustrating. Scandella's moved on to Buffalo. And it just kind of was what it was. And the Wilds just weren't as good. Suter had that weird, bad uh, ankle injury and all that. Like that socket in your ankle, the ball socket in your ankle was broken for uh, Suter, which really can screw up the range of motion of your ankle if it doesn't heal properly. And boy, that was a hell of a run for Suter. So we didn't even have Suter going against the uh, Winnipeg Jets, who were a pretty tough team that year, obviously. And they pretty much thrashed us in five games. Um... Dubnik was awesome in both series, but generally speaking, but it's just the Wild just weren't ready to play the Winnipeg Jets. Chuck Fletcher was let go. Boudreaux knew he was in trouble. He survived the year with Fenton last year, only 83 points, by far his worst season uh, as a full coach, uh, full season as a coach. Remember, he played, uh, replaced somebody back in 07-08. He replaced the previous coach there, so that's why only 81 points for him, per se, that season, but they still made the playoffs and lost in seven games. <laughs> they lost in seven games. That's an introduction. 53 years of age was Bruce Boudreaux when he started in 07-08. Uh, 
with the Caps, but uh, obviously tons of success with that club. They finished in first place. Um, pretty crazy. Uh, he took over the Ducks midstream in 11-12. They finished in fifth that year, but again, that's not Brudrow's fault. Uh, they were in second place when he was let go, and of course the general manager there, apparently a very pleasant goodbye there. He hugged Bruce Brudrow when he let him go, and then he was picked up by the Ducks like moments later, pretty much. That season, pretty crazy. Coaching carousel in the NHL. But uh, other than that, really, Boudreaux was most of the time first place when he coached full seasons for his team until he came to Minnesota, but still a strong 106 points for Boudreaux. Um, 116 points in 2013 2013-2014. 116 points that year, but still got to the second round and lost that year, unfortunately, for the Clucks. The Anaheim Clucks kind of is what it is there. They had some runs, though, some success. But a lot of people kind of trashing on Boudreaux's playoff success, this and that. Uh, again, crappy season. Fenton gutted the team. The team wussed out, as Garen would probably say. Garen would say they wimped out and didn't want to actually play anymore. Uh, trading away popular players, this and that. But sometimes the popular players aren't the right players. And I think Fenton did a lot of good things, despite his jackassian behavior. Uh, the potato move was dumb. It totally bleeped up uh, Sealer. But at the same time, Sealer needed to toughen up and say, ah, Oh yeah, really? You're going to bring this guy in? I don't care. I don't care. I'm, I'm still way better than him. Who, who gives a damn? That type of situation. But uh, still it effed up a lot of things. Uh, Fenton's case. Darren, interesting approach here. And basically, I guess it was some kind of philosophical differences. That's the guess. They don't really want to go into it. Obviously, they just rarely do unless it's the Chicago Bulls trashing on Tom Thibodeau like in every way they could. <laughs> <laughs> this and that. That's about the only time teams were uh, teams were really transparent about their coach getting fired. Or, of course, uh, everybody with Paul Fenton. Nobody wanted to say good things about him when he was let go because of how terrible uh, he treated people, apparently. <sighs> Boudreaux, though, hell of a guy. Very entertaining. I loved him. Uh, my favorite coach in Wild history, honestly. Or I could t- put him as a tie with Jacques Lemaire because Jacques Lemaire had so many anecdotes in his press conferences. And he was just a hockey genius. It's just, you know, the the neutral zone trap got old, this and that. People got tired of it. It is what it is. But his uh, special team success was unbelievable. Like, penalty kill was top of the league, basically. Power play was usually in the top third. Even with a team that could hardly score, the power play was always super good because just the guy knew special teams. And him and Mario Tremblay, uh, who was the special teams guy, the offensive side of the uh, coaching carousel or coaching group there with Minnesota, um, they were very successful. Boudreaux, though, again, losing his friend uh, due to Paul Fenton, and then Dean Evison's brought in. A lot of people thought he was the, you know, <laughs> heir apparent, so to speak. You fire Boudreaux, and Dean Evison, there's Paul Fenton's guy, and then Dean Evison replaces him anyway. Seems like an interesting chap, uh, kind of weird a little bit. His first press conference was very strange. Uh, post-game press conference when the Wild got shut out by the San Jose Sharks. The Wild got shut out by the San Jose Sharks. That's really uh, stepping up. That's... Uh, that's telling them, boys. Wow, 2 nothing loss to the Sharks. And remember when I talked about, wouldn't that suck if the Wild got shut out by Aaron Dell and the San Jose Sharks? Well, it was Martin Jones. They got shut out by Martin Jones and the San Jose Sharks. And they put a lot of shots on net, but they were, like, far away. And all that, this and that. It's kind of like Minnesota versus the St. Louis Blues. But we had 9,000 shots on Jake Allen. He was just unbelievable. But not all the shots were that great, though. They weren't, like, spectacular scoring chances. They may have... Ben scoring chances, a few of them, but not as many as you'd like to believe. Choking to the New York Rangers, another horse bleep uh, shootout was not fun to see. Looked like the Wild were going to get roasted in the shootout versus Vancouver. 
last night, yet somehow we come out victorious in that one. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. I mean, I'm stunned that the Wild won that one, but very cool. Very cool. It looked like Vancouver had that game for quite a while, even though Minnesota's been playing Vancouver super well, and we did for the most part during the uh, regular uh, regulation time. So, uh, in a lot of ways, again, I'm sad to see Bruce Boudreaux go. I, as for the head coaching future for the Minnesota Wild, is it Dean Evison? Very unlikely, because again, it's just another guy that uh, Bill Guerin inherited. No offense to the guy. Maybe he'll surprise everybody, and he's the next Herb Brooks. I don't know. I'm just, yeah, and I like saying that name right now, because, well, let's just say that's been a topic of late. Uh, the 40-year anniversary for the Miracle on Ice, and i got to mention that right now. Uh remembering her Brooks and this and that, obviously spectacular time. I was just a little teeny bit too young. I was on the planet. I was alive, but I was, you know, I was a, I was a year old. I'm, I'm a 79er. And of course, uh, 1980, I was again, just one years old. So one, one year old. So it is what it is. It was a great, uh, story. Greatest ever. Very nice movie. Miracle that came out in 2003. Uh, her Brooks had a huge part of the storyline there because, you know, apparently the screenwriter, this is of course from, this is from David Brooks who went on Dan Barrero just yesterday talked about that uh, they had a script written, a screenwrite written out and Herb Brooks wanted to see it first the guy was like, no, you know I'm, uh, I know what I'm doing, and then Herb Brooks said no, you don't know what you're doing, I was I was there, and he ended up xing a lot of stuff out apparently because probably most of it was just Hollywood BS where it's just, you know, not not really telling a story as much as it needed to tell. It wasn't really telling the story as much as it needed to. Um, it was mostly just Hollywood stuff, like who knows, like relationship with this person and made up crap along the way, fiction, where Herb Brooks just wanted facts in there and what a hell of a movie it ended up being. Then the guy tragically dies in a car accident like right before it came out. Ugh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, very sad story there. Uh, Herb Brooks, man, I can't believe that was 17 years ago, 2003 already. I can't believe how old that movie is. Um, in 2003, The Miracle on Ice was, what, 23 years in the past? And now, gosh, we're almost there again in terms of the, how long ago the movie was, 17 years ago. So pretty crazy when you think about that. Just cool. Wanted to bring it up in reference to the 40-year anniversary to The Miracle on Ice, one of the most amazing stories in sports history, if not the most amazing stories in sports history, considering all the tension going on with Russia and all that and Iran. Interesting, uh, interesting times. Interesting times indeed, but uh, of course, interesting times never seem to end, do they? <laughs> More interesting times just replace them, apparently, in this world. But um, we'll see what happens with the Minnesota Wild. Bill Guerin kept talking about, I'm doing this so we can make the postseason. Judd Zolgad has been talking about locally that he thinks it's actually reverse psychology, Herb Brooks style, we could say. Reverse psychology. It's kind of making it look like, yeah, we're trying to make the playoffs where there's a secret uh, other plan here where... Uh, trying to go the opposite direction. Like, if we make the playoffs, so what? We're going to be stuck in the middle. You're in the middle. You're going to pick in the middle of the draft, blah, blah, blah. You don't always want to tank and have the worst record every year and pick a bunch of busts in the top three every year because that it happens. I mean, Edmonton took busts many times, many times. Uh, Neil Yakupov was a massive bust. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not a franchise player. He's a nice second-line center. The Wild would love to have him, but he's not a franchise player. But he went number one overall in the draft. Connor McDavid's a different story. Edmonton's kind of sort of hanging on to a playoff berth at this moment, kind of, sort of. Last couple years, they stunk real bad after having an awesome, like, 104-point season a few years back. But uh, there was a quick drop-off right afterwards, and 
Edmonton, it's just, I don't know what the hell. Uh, obviously, they were not run very well, this and that. Hopefully, Bill Guerin, if the Wild do end up picking in the top five somehow, some way, uh, ends up taking the right player. Um, looks like Paul Fenton took a lot of good ones, though, and nice to see Matt Boldy stepping up after a horrendous start to his collegiate career in Boston College. Of course, he was playing in the bottom six. Now he's playing in the top six, so that helps. That's the uh, prospect segment coming up, though. Segment number two and fan interaction, all that. That's going to be a lot of fun. But really here, we're kind of looking at the coaching situation. Doug Waite, apparently, more than likely, will be in the brought into the front office at some point in time. Obviously, another tough guy, another team captain, Bill Guerin type. Uh, two guys that are very similar and were great friends, apparently best friends, a lot of people say. So Doug Waite, apparently, will be brought in at some point. At least that's the belief all over the place. Everybody will tell you Doug Waite's going to be brought in in some uh, nature, in some form, one way or another. Most likely front office. I don't think he's a head coach, but maybe. Uh, Gerald Gallant is a continued name, and he's been very mum on it. A lot of people believe he will wind up with the Detroit Red Wings, and I agree with that. Uh, Steve Eiserman, Steve Eiserman, and Gerald Gallant very close in their playing days. Gerald Gallant was actually a hell of a player. A later pick in the draft, it turned out to be a hell of a player. Got hurt, kind of, uh, you know, a, a ways into his career, and wasn't as productive. But still, you know, bottom six, tough guy was Gerald Gallant after being a pretty good player years before with the Detroit Red Wings. Spent many, 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 many years there. Had some success as a coach, his first stint, and then his second stint with Vegas was just beautiful. What an awesome job Gerald Gallant did as a head coach at the Vegas Golden Knights. A lot of people still wondering, still to this day wondering what the hell happened. Replaced by Peter Gabal, who had some success with the Shocks. Of course, both clubs, both coaches got their team to the Stanley Cup final Ended up losing to pretty good teams, though, unfortunately. Ended up losing to NHL franchise players, you could say. Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin and their clubs when they were on their missions to the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, that's why they lost. They ran into, like, a buzzsaw, basically, in both cases. So, Joel Dulant, I mean, you, you never know. Peter Laviolette, a lot of people like him. He's had a lot of success. Uh, like most coaches, he has a shelf life. Apparently, Boudreaux does, too. But uh, I wish Boudreaux could have stayed, though. I think a lot of people like that guy. Uh, he's the first coach. He is the first coach that I didn't see Ryan Suter basically kind of giving subtle jabs to or towards. Uh, apparently, he hated Mike Yo. I think a lot of guys did. That's why there was such a sugar high when Mike Yo was let go. Remember how hot the Wild were when uh, John Torch Torchetta took over? Torchetti, Torchetti, not Torchetta. I'm getting him mixed up with John Tortella. Oh, that guy's a crazy guy, but he's been a little better with Columbus. Calm down a bit. Uh, but Torch, Torchetti, of course, again. Cool guy with a strong accent, man. Boston. Um, there was a, such a sugar high, and it lasted for a long time. And then reality set in, and the Wild lost to Dallas. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sensing any type of sugar high here. I don't think players were that thrilled about Boudreaux being let go. I don't think they're that hurt either. Apparently, Fiala was. Uh, Kevin Fiala was hurt a bit, not surprisingly. Uh, Kevin Fiala is awesome, and it's a shame to see him lose a, a coach that apparently got him really going in the right direction. But, uh, well, he scored again last night, and it's, it's not the end of the world. If Kevin Viola can play, then go out and bleep and play. That's all there is to say about that. Eric Stahl's been on a stall. He's been on a stall for a very long time. Uh, he hasn't scored a point in, I can't even remember. He's been at, stuck at 41 for eternity. Viola's now only two points behind Eric Stahl for the team lead in scoring. Would not mind if the Minnesota Wild traded... Eric Stahl, uh, he did get a point against Vegas, believe it or not. Uh, yeah, in the 4-1 to victory. 
and a point on Feb 9th. So Feb 9, Feb, Feb 11, and then, but generally speaking, it's been very quiet. Uh, three points in the last month or so for Eric Stahl. It has been what it is. Uh, been been very quiet. Hell of a player. Would not mind if he got traded, only because uh, the only problem is, again, who are you going to put at center? I mean, you have to call Gerald Mayhew up then. Gerald Mayhew should be on the Minnesota Wild roster. And I understand oh, you don't want to gut and ruin Iowa's season, but it is what it is. You can't just call up Capo Kakinen, Sam Onis, and uh, Gerald Mayhew and just kill Iowa, literally, and say, well, sorry, they, they belong up here. Screw you guys. So there's always all kinds of components to it uh, looking forward with calling guys up. But at the same time, you don't want them to rot down there either. It's a, it's a tough go. It's a tough go. Uh, Zuccarillo, we're stuck with him. He's been a ghost. Uh, golly, golly, yuck. I'll never get <laughs> Galanchuk. <laughs> I love that name. It's really something. Galanchuk. Well, he was pretty good yesterday, obviously, after being a complete ghost in his first two games uh, with the Sharks. Everybody was a ghost against the Sharks. It was a bleeping joke. Uh, against the New York Rangers, nothing special. Uh, his first game before that, also, nothing special at all. Just kind of out there. He was good for like the first period in his very first game with the Wild was uh, Alex, but uh, after that, I don't know. I don't know how he was adequate with the Vegas Knights and the Wild won the game. So we kind of let that go. Rangers, nothing going on. Sharks, everybody again was just a bleeping ghost. But we got a lot of shots on that, though. We got a lot of shots on that, but they were easier to stop, you could say. Gallianchuk still, Gallianchuk still kind of coasting around, but then ended up getting the major game tying goal. That was very exciting. For everybody, I mean, really thrilling. That was cool. And then ended up saving the day in the shootout along with Ryan Donato, who saved the Wilds' bacon. Uh, Ryan Donato doesn't score on his shootout attempt. Wild loses the game. So, very, very exciting there. Uh, absolutely saved the day. Made everybody feel good. Uh, Donato's been picking it up a, late, uh, up a bit of late. He scored against the New York Rangers. That was nice. Brodeen ended up getting a rifle shot in there. I don't want the Wild to trade Jonas Brodeen. This is another topic i got to bring up here. Um... Do you really want the Wild to trade Jonas Brodeen for Vincent Trechak of Florida? When talk is, well, at best, he'd be a second-line center, not a top-line center. And here's the best part. Here's the best part that's driving everybody crazy with guys like Kalanchuk and, and others on the Minnesota Wild roster or acquisitions, this and that, guys, whoever, here ever, wherever. Well, eh, maybe he's a little bit, but he's better on the wing, though. Uh, he can play center, but he's better on the wing. Don't make the bleeping trade, then. You're going to trade away Jonas Brodeen, who's borderline franchise defenseman. Not because he puts up sexy stats, but because he kind of does a bit of everything and his value is off the charts. You're going to trade away Jonas Brodeen, who could easily be a top defenseman on any team in the NHL right now, for Vincent Trachak? Come on, man. I, I say no. I say no, don't do that unless you're getting a haul with Vincent Trachak. Another big-time prospect? You know? Another Addison-type, per se? Maybe a, a, a legit center type of guy, and good luck getting that. And maybe another first-round pick or something. I mean, you can, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe I'm going way overboard. But at least one other piece. At least one other piece. A first-round pick, which, you know, okay, that's kind of a crapshoot. How about a legit prospect, though, instead from Florida system? That might be where I would lead towards. If I was willing to trade Jonas Bergeen to the Florida Panthers. Um, and again, it's the left side where the Wild are not very deep. We're not. Uh, you could make up for it right now, but Brad Hunt's in his, in his 30s already. See, that's the thing. See, Hunt would be a full, be full-time third pairing. Susie would move up to second pairing with Dumba, which would be very interesting. 
a very interesting combination, but I, I think it could work. It would, it would have to. <laughs> it would be very interesting. Uh, Susie and Dumba working together actually could be very interesting. Or Spurgeon, which I think would be better. I think you should have Spurgeon and Susie together and move Dumba back up with uh, Suter. I really wish they could do that. That would be wise, I think. But um, that's what you could do. And then Hunt again would be third pair with freaking Pattern or call up freaking Belpedio. Once and for all, Belpedio or Menel to pair with uh, Brad Hunt. Brad Hunt's not a long-term solution, but he's certainly valuable. Problem is, again, Hunt is tiny, so you probably wouldn't be able to really play uh, Menel or Belpedio with him. But, uh, you know, they're 5'11". They're not as tiny as Hunt, at least. Pattern's a big dude, but he sucks. <laughs> is that okay? I'm sorry, Pattern. Just imagine one out of a million. He's actually listening, but... I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of telling it like it is. I mean, he kind of sucks, you know. God bless him and everything. I don't know. That's what would be frustrating there. But uh, I'm I'm not in a big rush to trade Jonas Bertin. Can you can you tell? I'm kind of in Lunani's department there. Kind of um, San Jose game. It's just nothing to say. It was garbage. Ghost ghost town. Absolute ghost town. Uh, nice to see Fiala add some points. Nice to see uh, Luke Cunning get his 13th goal of the year. Dumba getting his 17th assist. J.T. Miller was awesome. He's a guy I wish the Wild could have. He was on the Rangers for a couple of years now. He's been just fantastic with Vancouver this year. And Galanchiuk, obviously getting his sixth goal of the season. Susie getting his first point in forever. Finally, 13 on the year. Lucky number 13. And Zook, Zuccarello, the other Zook. Not like Zucker, but Zuccarello. A couple of assists also. Finally, Zuccarello putting some points on the board. It's been a long freaking time. So... It is what it is. Mike Madonna award for this past week. Who, who could it possibly go to? I have no idea. You know, it's almost like for the sake of for the sake of conversation and kind of sticking to my guns. Jonas Brodeen. I mean, obviously very valuable, very solid out there. Added the goal against New York. Love what Jonas Brodeen does. I'm going to give him the Mike Madonna award, even if it's just kind of by default. It was kind of a weird couple of games here. Weird. Uh the James Tupper Memorial, it's the Minnesota Wild for the San Jose Sharks game. Losing 2 nothing to the Sharks, it's not going to go to an individual player. It's going to go to the whole team. Like, wake up. How do, how do you do that? And of course, the way the players and uh, new coach Dean Evison, interim coach Dean Evison, will say until he's official head coach in the offseason, if he actually gets the job, I don't believe it, but we'll see. Um, in the late stretches when the Wild were trying to tie the game up or get back in the game, so to speak, Normally, Bruce Boudreau would be talking with the players. Bruce Boudreau or one of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the 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 offensive coach would be talking with him. Uh, it could be whoever it is. Obviously, well, it was Dean Evison at times in the past, but generally it was Bruce Boudreau in the past. <laughs> this and that, having conversations with the players. And then, you know, obviously, you know, talking about what they're going to do, the plan, the strategy. Instead, the players are doing all the talking, and Evison's just kind of like, <laughs> kind of floating in the background. That was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And then again, the strangest press conference ever. So just an awkward, weird situation. And that kind of goes to everybody with the Sharks. I don't know what that was. That was weird. Like, Everson was just like, well, whatever. I guess let them do their thing. I I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> that was really strange. So that's uh, where I'm going to stand with that. James Herbert Memorial goes to the whole team for that 2 nothing game against the Sharks. With that said, we'll be right back. We're going to preview three games, entertaining matchups coming up for sure, for sure. And then we'll look at the prospects and get to your questions on Twitter.
are back here on Brave the Wild. Like I said, three games to preview. It's going to be the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow on Friday the 21st of February. Sunday evening on NBC Sports against the St. Louis Blues in Excel Energy Center. And again, the Edmonton game's a road game. And the Wild host the Columbus Blue Jackets Tuesday. And eventually we'll be heading to Detroit and Columbus next week. So next week we'll be talking about those. Minnesota Wild schedule. We're getting into that stretch here, the stretch run for the Wild and the playoffs. And I don't know, it's fun to watch regardless if we're in it or not. At least we'll do our best. Hopefully the Wild are in it. That would be much better. Edmonton Oilers, first place in the Pacific Division. And, well, the Pacific Division is a flat-out logjam. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much first place means at the end of the day in that division because, like, in a day or two, you might be in, like, fifth. That's kind of how it's been. Uh, Minnesota Wild beating the Edmonton Oilers. It's kind of tradition here. Whenever the Oilers are good, the Wild beat them, regardless if we're good or not. And whenever the Oilers stink, the Wild lose to them, regardless if the Wild are good or not. I don't get it. I don't get it. But the Wild have already won the season series as a three-gamer. This is the rubber match, per se. Hopefully the Wild can complete the sweep. But I wouldn't be surprised if Edmonton ends up winning the game. That's just my guess. But, well, there's no Connor McDavid right now, so that helps the Wild's chances. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl has definitely been a, a Wild killer most of the time. Their goaltending situation is all over the place. They're kind of like Calgary. They're kind of like another Calgary. I mean, they're, you know, it is what it is. Mike Smith was on Calgary last year. Koskinen's kind of, you know, not much better, not much worse than David Riddick. It is what it is. I would say they're more top-heavy than Calgary, but Calgary is top-heavy as well. Very top-heavy, and then after that, it's kind of like, eh, okay, you got some good players here and there. James Neal got off to an awesome start to the season, and since then, he's been pretty ordinary, and he was very ordinary for Calgary last year. Uh, James Neal's best years were with uh, Nashville and, of course, the Vegas Golden Knights, without a doubt. Darnell Nurse really got into it with uh, multiple wild players last time around, especially against... Uh, Jordan Greenway. Um, I was like thinking, blanking about who it was. But yeah, it's Jordan Greenway. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, quite an entertaining battle between those two guys. I can't believe that was December 12th. Man, the time flies, doesn't it? That's two months ago already. Wow. That was December 12th. It feels like yesterday when Darnell Nurse and Jordan Greenway were really going at it. It was... Uh, Whew, it was intense. That was a very intense, a bloody fight. Uh, Greenway made uh, Nurse bleed, and it got pretty interesting. Um, definitely back and forth. That guy's tough. Obviously, he's a very tough guy. He's got his 26 points on the year. Valuable, tough defenseman for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Sam Gagne is still playing. Wow. 12 points on the year. Alex Chasson. Zach Cassian, yep, that's a solid player, obviously. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Wild would love to have somebody like that again. But yeah, McDavid's out for a significant amount of time, and that's not good. Dreisaitl was actually leading the club in scoring, if you can believe that. That's how good Leon Dreisaitl's been. Of course, lots of uh, my friends there at MNW Prospect were comparing Adam Beckman's WHL numbers with Leon Dreisaitl's WHL numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's they're comparable numbers in the WHL, but we know. Uh, I mean, we know how things uh, can, can be with that. They, you know, I, I brought up in the past, the last two episodes, I believe, Connor DeWeer with the average silver tips of the WHL was very good. And so far in the AHL, yeah, he's, and I know he's had limited action, so that hurts his numbers, but still 13 points is 13 points in 43 games. You know, and obviously early in the season, he was scratched a lot. He's been playing a bottom six role just because, and he's like one of the youngest players on the team, if not the youngest. In fact, I would say he is the youngest. Yes, he's the youngest player on the team tied with Mason Shaw. And Derek Brabo, who's not really been on the wild, he's like third, the third goalie pretty much, mostly in the ECHL. 
with the uh, <clears throat> Allen Americans. I go getting way ahead of myself. But no, I mean, comparisons like that, uh, risky business. I mean, I know. I would love to believe that uh, Adam Beckman could be another Leon Drysiddle. I'd love to believe that. And if he is, boy, you're the wild in good shape because you got Kaprizov and a Drysiddle type. And then Kovanov's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know, man. <clears throat> I hope so. I hope so. I think two out of those three guys will be productive NHL players. Kaprizov is the most of the guarantee because he's actually playing professional hockey. I mean, the KHL... It's way up there. It's 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 a pro league. You know how the AHL is professional, right? The AHL is professional. Even the ECHL is professional, but it's, you know, it's kind of like about college level in terms of talent. So college players that aren't super spectacular, you know, prospects per se go to the ECHL and play very well, like, you know, Jack Sadek and such. Uh, Tyler Sheehy, you know, guys like that are did very well with the Gophs, Gophers or whoever. I call them the Gophs, but yeah. Uh, they've done well in the ECHL. Okay, and there I go randomly going all over the place. Bottom line, Oh, boy. I like the way the Wild played against Vancouver. I like the way the Wild have played against the Edmonton Oilers. I think there's a strong chance Minnesota sweeps this series, and I will pick the sweep. I will pick the Wild sweeping the Edmonton Oilers this year. Of course, and again, no Connor McDavid, so that's that helps. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has had several good games against Minnesota, as had Drysdale. Carter Sapp's injury for Connor McDavid. They actually are calling it what it is. They're not calling it a, a, a LBI, lower body injury. Edmonton with Connor McDavid tops in the league in the power play. Second in penalty kill. So penalty kill, penalty kill. Spectacular special teams for the Edmonton Oilers. That's why they're in first place in the very tight Pacific Division. 11th in goals, uh, 15th in goals against, which is surprising. It must be because of puck possession because the goaltending is not good in Edmonton. It hasn't been good since freaking Grand Fuhrer. I mean, it really hasn't. Okay, okay, we'll say Dwayne Rollison had some good moments there. <laughs> he sure did. He was already getting older by that point, but he, he was all right. Minnesota will sweep the Edmonton Oilers' bottom line. We'll go with the final score, 4-2, to 3-2. to two. Most likely guy to score for the Minnesota Wild. Whew, boy, is Eric Stahl ever going to end that drought? Uh, he's gotten some assists here and there, but generally speaking, he's been awfully quiet. Uh, I'm not going to pick him to score in the game. It's like I want to just keep going with Fiala, Fiala, Fiala. I'm going to pick Jordan Greenway. Jordan Greenway is going to get another goal. His eighth of the year against the Edmonton Oilers. I got a feeling. I got a feeling he's got some of that extra energy going into this one, and maybe another fight will take place. We'll see. It's going to be entertaining regardless. Regardless, it's going to be very entertaining to see how that turns out. So now we'll quickly attempt to get to St. Louis. Minnesota Wild hosts the St. Louis Blues on Sunday. Blues are third in the NHL on power play. 18th penalty kill. Goals for 11th, goals against 10th. Jordan Bennington's not having the magical season he was last year. He's just not, and you can never expect that again. Still solid numbers, though. uh, 266 goals against average. Couple of shutouts on the year. Save percentage 91. Jake Allen's having about what you'd expect for a guy that was highly touted and this and that and wasn't all that great, but now that he's in a backup role, he's been been pretty damn good. Uh, Goals against average, 2.36. His win-loss record's not that great, though. He's been snake bit. He's kind of like, again... Like Josh Harding was with Minnesota. Always had great numbers, but would get snake bit. 8-6 uh, and six record for uh, Jake Allen. The Blues are, believe it or not, not in first place at this moment. Dallas Stars are in first place in the Central Division. You could say they're almost arch rivals with the Blues right now, especially after that awesome series last year. Wouldn't mind seeing those two face off in the second round again. And it could happen. It could very well happen. The winner goes to the West Finals to play against the Calgary Flames. Yeah, right. Probably Vegas or, I don't know, Maybe Vegas or Edmonton. I would not mind that at all. I would love to see Vegas or Edmonton. David Perron is leading the club in scoring 
a very healthy group of players, knock on wood, or maybe, well, for St. Louis's sake, knock on wood. Yeah, lots of healthy guys at the top of the lineup. Good job. <laughs> Perrin, Perron, all 60 games, 56 points. Ryan O'Reilly, a number one center the Wild would love to have. <sighs> I don't think he's available. 51 points on the season. Peter Angelo has been just awesome. 47 points. Braden Shen was the leading scorer last year, if I remember correctly. Jaden Schwartz, all these familiar names. Stanley Cup champs. Vince Dunn was a guy who's kind of floated around, but he's been on the third line. Still kind of developing, still getting going in the National Hockey League. They recently made an acquisition of Marco Scandella. Marco Scandella is back in the Western Conference and back in our division again. And, uh, well, good. Good for him back here in the uh, Central Division in the Western Conference. And uh, good for Marco Scandella. He has not debuted for the Blues as of yet. But uh, he was with his home team, the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal native, of course, was with Buffalo for a while and Minnesota, blah, 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 for an extended period. <clears throat> Decent player. We could use him again, I guess, especially if we trade away Brodeen, but he ain't coming here. Tarasenko is just out for eternity, and that's unfortunate. Major, major injury earlier in the year, only 10 games into the season. He had 10 points, and he was doing so well, but crying shame to see that happen to Vlad. Bad Vlad. Imagine if he was healthy. I think they'd have a much more of a significant run. Steen has missed a significant amount of time. So again, not everybody's healthy. Just uh, that group of guys at the top there that are leading the club in scoring have been super healthy. Uh, St. Louis is actually tied with Dallas, but they're considered second, whatever that means. I guess because Dallas has more actual wins, but they also have more losses. It's just the overtime losses with St. Louis have 10. 10 overtime losses with St. Louis. You don't want to do that in the playoffs because you ain't getting a point in the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, goofy. But uh, St. Louis obviously just, you know, oozing a lot of talent. Obviously still to this day, I still think they could win the cup again. Very possible. I don't think they will just because I think Boston's on a mission. I think somebody like a Boston, somebody like Tampa Bay possibly, Pittsburgh Penguins with, yeah, Jason Zucker just might go all the way and win it. Who knows? Uh, the Zucker trade's going to look very favorable for Pittsburgh at the moment. We'll see if uh, Addison has something to say about that, though. Uh, St. Louis is up two games to zero. I think if the Wild win a game in this series, it's probably this one. But I'm not uberly uber, uh, optimistic at this point. Uh, I just like the way the Blues have played all season. There was a 2-1 to one victory for St. Louis on October the 30th, 4-3 win on November the 2nd. It's been a long, 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 long time. And now there's no Tarasenko, of course. Um, Biddington's, you know, he's been adequate. St. Louis, how have they been playing of late? They've been up and down a bit. They've lost three out of their last five. The uh, Anaheim game was postponed on February 11th. Postponed. So they've lost three out of their last four, basically, <clears throat> with a postponement on the 11th of February. They'd lost three in a row to Vegas, Nashville, and Nashville. Uh, a home-and-home game kind of competition uh, back and forth there. New Jersey, 3 nothing win there. Good for St. Louis. They'll play Arizona and Dallas in between. Boy, um, it's a back-to-back, so it gives the Wild a lot of hope. Nope, that's Dallas. Dallas is having the back-to-back, so they might lose to Dallas very possibly. <sighs> tough matchup, very tough matchup. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of think St. Louis wins this game. I think the Blues are going to win this game, uh, I believe. I just They played well against us this season. If we are going to win this game, there you go. Uh the optimist in me believes the Wild can absolutely win this game, but I'm going to pick the St. Louis Blues to win this one. I, I don't get a good vibe from the team right now. 
especially if a significant player is traded again, they'll probably, you know, maybe there is a little subtle nudge-nudge tank-tank going on, quite possibly. We'll see what happens, though, with that. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. I know the Timberwolves are nudge-nudge tanking at this point, most likely, <laughs> but we're not talking about the Timberwolves. St. Louis Blues win the game 3-2, to 3-1, to one, something like that. I expect the Wild to struggle scoring in the game. Zach Parisi will net goal number 22, though. Minnesota Wild will not get shut out by the Blues. Knock on wood when I joked about the Wild getting shut out by the Sharks, and it ended up happening. The Wild will not get shut out by the Blues, but they will have struggle. They will just have trouble scoring against this team. I, guess I, I love their defense, obviously, their goaltending. I don't think they win the Cup, but I do think they get far this year. I think they get back to the conference final again, or very minimum divisional round. But uh, no, uh, Blues win the game 3-2, to 3-1 to one at the end of the day. Parisi is the guy that scores for Minnesota. Columbus Blue Jackets, I have always hated this matchup. I mean, will the Wild ever beat this team? I don't know. <sighs> Almost never. Almost never. It's been a headache since day one, back in 2000. Feb 25. It's like, I want to pick the Wild to go 2-1 and one this week. I, I just don't think so. Maybe the Wild get a point versus St. Louis. I, I, I think the Wild will get a point versus the Blues. So like a 3-2 to two type of thing. Maybe it's 2-2 two to two and we lose in the bleeping shootout or overtime, this and that. Minnesota has not played Columbus yet this season, so it'll be kind of a quick little back and forth here in three games. Wild hosts this one and visits Columbus next time around. I don't like this matchup. I'm just, the Wild never play good against this team. And what a tough Metropolitan Division. And it's, it's always tough, but it's ridiculous tough right now. Columbus is 11 games above 500. 11. And they're sixth bleep in place. Yikes. That's, that's unfortunate. They're third in the league in goals. Third. Penalty kill is ninth. Power play is only 23rd. And uh, they're third in goals against third. So good, solid defense by Columbus. That sounds like the Blue Jackets in a lot of ways. Years ago, they did a little bit of both. Their goaltending's been awesome. Somebody named Elvis <laughs> Merzlikens, who was a nice, solid prospect for, I don't think I'm saying the name right. Let's just say Elvis is in the building for the, yeah, I know it's lame. But Elvis is in the building for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And it ain't in Memphis or, or Vegas. But five shutouts on the year for Elvis. Elvis Merzlikens, Merzlikens of the, uh, I'm probably saying it completely wrong. I, and I deeply apologize. He was a prospect, second round pick. For the Columbus Blue Jackets, young guy, just getting started. He's off to an awesome start, and, well, you know, good for them. Good for Columbus. They're doing a great job. Pierre-Luc Dubois is leading the club in scoring with only 44 points, but who am I to say with freaking Stahl with 41 and Fiala with 39? And we're thrilled about Fiala with that 39. Goose, the Gustav Nyquist of the formerly of the Detroit Red Wings, 37 points on the season. It's a good, solid team. Cam Atkinson, he's been oft injured over the years, but he's also been a wild killer over the years. Nick Felino, actually almost right on Marcus Felino's point total. <laughs> 24 points on the year only for Nick Felino, who's had a lot of success. A lot of people saw him as the significantly better player between him and Marcus, but they're right about on the same level. Marcus has more goals than Nick on the season. Pretty, pretty crazy when you think about that. <laughs> <clears throat> it's an interesting club. Interesting club. They really shut Playbill down. The matchup has been uber frustrating for many years. I think Columbus wins the game. I just, uh, you know, I think it's going to be like 2 nothing, 2-1. to one. Very low scoring. I'm never going to pick a shutout, though. I don't want Elvis to get his sixth shutout of the year, but who knows? Maybe he won't even be in the net, but uh, Corpostolo, it doesn't get any easier with the, uh, yeah, uh, Corpusello. <laughs> it doesn't get any easier with the goaltending for Columbus. These guys, you know, they're not familiar names. They've had their moments. Obviously, Elvis has been a name. He's been a name 
But unfortunately, I haven't been keeping up with Columbus as much as some of the other clubs. You know, they're one of those teams that you don't keep up with as much. But he's had a hell of a season, and you've been noticing it. He's been definitely getting noticed. Uh, save percentage about 925. Pretty awesome for him. They're a dangerous team. I think the Wilds lose the game 2-1, to one, something like that. The cool part about Columbus, they have the same point total as New York Islanders. They're only a point behind Philly, so it's another log jam. They're in sixth, but it's a log jam, so they're still a legit shot that they could e- that they can make the playoffs quite easily. Win a couple games in a row, hopefully. Hopefully the other teams don't. That's the other side of it that you got to think about, and we'll see what happens. A lot of us, you know, gush about Carolina, but Columbus has the same point total as them, so Columbus is good. They do not win the game to the Wild. Do not win the game. Zakarinsky's been an awesome defenseman. 18 goals on the season. 18 goals for Zakarinsky. I think he's going to score against Minnesota. I can just see it. Lots of these uh, talented defensemen always find a way to score against Minnesota. Always. Be it Brent Burns or whoever. Uh, forever, basically. Uh, Taruba was causing a hell of a lot of trouble with the Wild last time around, too. That guy was mixing it up over and over and over. He had quite a temper against Minnesota last time around. But, uh, Boy, too much of that rivalry with uh, in the past, so we'll leave that alone. Uh, Columbus wins two to one. Most likely, got to score for Minnesota is going to be Fiala. Fiala's got to score something in this week, and he will. He will score again, his fifteenth goal of the season for the Minnesota Wild. It'll be Kevin Fiala, but we do not win. I think we go one one and one, something like that. We lose in the shootout or overtime to the Blues at the end of the day. So we'll be singing the Blues in that sense. Let's look into the prospects and get the fan interaction, eh? And again, I apologize for the uber length of the show. Last couple shows, I do apologize. I mean, I, there's been so much news, though. I mean, there was tra- there was a trade, then there was continued conversation and this and that, and then the added of the uh, you know the addition of fan interaction, this and that, and now the firing of Boudreaux and probably another trade next show. So it, it is what it is. You know, I just need to adjust things at times and not be so worried. Uh, <laughs> so I do deeply apologize for the length of the uh, past couple of weeks. Some of you might have liked that. Some of you might not have. Louis Belpedio stuck at 18 points for the Iowa Wild. We're going to start there as we usually do to where we got his 13th point about a week ago. This and that. He'd been on quite a drought. Brennan Menel keeps piling up the points. Sam Honest is leading the entire AHL in scoring with 60 points. Uh, the only reason why Gerald Mayhew isn't is because he was rotting on the Wild's you know, press box. He was scratched. He was up with Minnesota, but scratched, so it was just a waste. That's probably one of the reasons why he's not been up here, but still, put him in the bleeping lineup. Damn it. All because we had to sign Ryan Hartman, right? <laughs> and Ryan Hartman, I like him and everything, but I think Mayhew would be better. I think Mayhew's got more production, more productivity on that fourth line, right, right wing position for Minnesota, despite his lack of size, which is a huge problem in the AHL. You know, I mean, Sam Honest, 5'8". Gerald Mayhew, 5'9". Kyle Rall, 5'8". Uh, Brennan Mendel, 5'11". Nico Sturm, 6'3". There you go. And he's got 30 points. He's been playing on the top line. He's been centering Honest and Mayhew at times, especially on the power play, per se. He's been just great. Nico Sturm, Nico Sturm. I'm very much looking forward to him being on Minnesota next season. He could be productive here right now. I liked his play. You could just see the playmaking ability that he has. Uh, he's tough. He's a, he adjusts well to the next level, and I really like what Nico Stern brings long-term. 30 points on the year so far. Mendel's at 39. He's a plus 8. May, he was a plus 17. Dmitry Sokolov. Don't look now, but he's a plus 11 in the 35 games he's played. And he's got 13 goals now. Added a couple this past week. So good for him. Not been getting assists at all, which is annoying. But at least he's scoring goals. And 
Again, he is actually second on the team. No, third on the team in goals. Third on the team in goals behind Honest and Mayhew. Pretty good company to be in there. Kyle Rao, obviously, he's had some moments. He gets banged up here and there, but he's a minus 7. JT Brown's a minus 13. That's no surprise. <laughs> Even though he's having an adequate season, or at least he, he was for a short time there. Kapo Kakinen, if you're going to give an MVP award, well, I mean, he's right up there with uh, Mayhew and Honest for this club. Um, uh, 2.15 goals against average, 22-5 and five with two ties on the season. He has just been unbelievable. Five shutouts, added another one recently. Just unbelievable. Save percentage, 0.924. So he's kind of like Elvis there with Columbus in the save percentage department. That's just beautiful stuff. But five shutouts on the season, and he's definitely taken a step up from last year. Like last year, his numbers were solid, but then things kind of caught up with him. He struggled. At the, I mean, at the very beginning, he was absolutely on fire. He got like three shutouts in a row or something, like three and four games. And then his goals against average kind of caught up to him, and then he finished strong. Uh, that's what I think is going to happen with the NHL. A strong start, maybe get beat up a bit, and then get stronger. And then next thing you know, a year or two later, he's one of the better goalies in the league. And that's what I believe could happen with Kapo Kakinen. He's going to be one of the better goalies in the NHL one day, I believe. Uh, is he a long-term solution at the position? Not sure yet, but obviously it's a major adjustment from AHL to NHL. But uh, it's adjustments from uh, other leagues and such as well. And Capo so far has been good, and I think Nico will adjust very well to the NHL game. Nico Sturm, very, very optimistic about him coming forward. Brennan DeHaim is uh, still kind of floating around, 18 points on the year. He's been quietly adding points, but generally speaking, he's been quiet. He's pretty much a third-line kind of guy, and that's pretty much his role. Belpedio, a solid, intangible defenseman who adds some grit, some strength, uh, believe it or not, despite he's not the biggest guy, but he ain't the smallest. He actually leads the club in penalty minutes. Who'd have thunk that? So he's kind of taking on more of a tough guy role with the Iowa Wild versus more of a, a scoring skill guy like Brennan Menel. But even Menel's got 36 penalty minutes, which isn't that much, but it's more than you'd expect probably in some cases. Belpedio leading the club in penalty minutes is quite surprising, though, considering, you know, I saw him as more of a skill guy coming in from college, but, yeah, he's an intangible guy, and he's a tough guy, too. Good for him. Hopefully he can uh, bring some of that grit to the Minnesota Wild. They could sure use that in the locker room, where uh, I'm sure he's providing some nice leadership in Iowa right now for a fairly young guy who's not as young as he used to be. 23 years of age, this and that. Matt Boldy, a couple of strong weeks, being finally up in the top six. Makes a big difference. Added some assists, added some goals. He had a two-goal-and-one-assist game recently. Now he's at 18 points on the season. Good for him after an extremely slow start. Nice to see the 12th overall pick in the 2019 draft by Paul Fenton doing something doing something solid. Adam Beckman's leading the WHL in scoring with 97 points in only 55 games. He's a plus 40. Plus 40 on the season. Adam Beckman's on his way to 100 points and, and beyond, and maybe he really is going to be a, a great player. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, talk was about his skating. Not the best thing ever, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, if he can score, he can score, and hopefully he can continue to move forward into the AHL and the NHL. I'd love to see him with the Iowa Wild next year at age 19. <sighs> to be this successful at age 18, pretty pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. I mean, you can't just push him aside. He's leading the league in scoring, and he's only 18. I mean, that's, that's a good sign. Obviously, WHL is for young guys, but still, he's super young, and he's doing really well. Looks like a nice, nice, nice draft pick in the third round by our old friend. Uh, Nikito Nestorenko, it's been fun covering him this year. Added his 20th goal last night for the Chiliwack Chiefs of the BC 
HL. What I like about the BCHL is a little bit later, so in a second shift and all that, I can kind of go home and catch up with him and such right there on the spot pretty much, rather than, oh, the game is dragging on, you know, this and that. I can catch up with him pretty quickly, but uh, he's, he's doing well. He's doing very well. It's been fun covering him on uh, MNW Prospects. Check that out on Facebook, of course. Facebook.com forward slash MNW Prospects. It's been an absolute joy working with the guys. Uh, Pavel Bennett, Justin Beck, and... Of course, Brandon as well. Yeah, Brandon Quast, what a nice guy also as well. Great guys to work with. Jack McBain's had some moments with uh, Boston College. Boston College, 16 points on the season. Again, you know, he, he's just another one of those, he's a bigger guy. I just, I'll just keep saying it. I see him as a bottom six player in the NHL if, if he gets that far, and I hope he does. I hope so. Connor DeWare's got the skill, but again, Everett Silvertips. I'm just going to keep coming back to it a million times. Of course, not the productivity level of Adam Beckman, but still very good. I mean, 81 points in 59 games is nothing to sneeze at. But again, AHL, look look at the difference. It's it, You know, some, some of it's a youth thing. It kind of is what it is. And he is a smaller guy, only 5'10". So that doesn't help his cause either necessarily. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Though. If you're good, you're good. So, I mean, Beckman's numbers are better. They are better. He's actually played in less games than what... Uh, uh, he's played in four less games and has 97 points compared to 86. So... There is a difference, and his being 6-1 does help as well for Adam Beckman. He's a left wing, though. Again, left wing. <laughs> left wing, there aren't a million of those on the wild. Oh, wait, yes, there are. <laughs> uh, Philip Johansson scored his second. He got a second assist of the season. Philip Johansson got the second assist of the season. <laughs> yeah, four points on the season, and Pavel Bonnet had fun with that. Like, it's front page news you know, alert the media. Pretty much, though. Pretty much, Pavel. Pretty much. <laughs> and we'll, of course, get to Derek Felska here in a moment, too. Love that guy. Get to that one to get to fan interaction. Uh, Alexander Hovanov has just been unbelievable. Two points a game, plus 42 on the season, 83 points, dominating. He's going to get to 100 points for uh, the Moncton Wildcats, most likely. He most likely will get there as long as he gets enough games in. He'll get to 100 points for sure if he can get to 64 games like he did last year. He's on a wonderful pace. Uh, only one point yesterday, but hey, you know, he'd been on quite a tear. 19 points in the month of February thus far. So he is just tearing it up. Literally two points a game throughout this month and throughout most of the season has Hovanov. Hovanov. Hopefully a top-line center for Minnesota. We'll see. Uh, Sean Budrius. I think he's one of those guys who's a little bit under the radar. He doesn't have spectacular numbers, but they're certainly good. I mean, 30 goals is nothing to sniff at, uh, sneeze at in 51 games to go along with 39 assists. He is a right winger, and he is 6'5", 223. Jordan Greenway, watch out, right? Maybe this guy will unseat Jordan Greenway. Maybe he'll make Jordan Greenway uh, expendable. Sixth-round pick in the 2018 draft. Sean Budrias, again, 179th overall. Might end up being something, hopefully. 69 points in 51 games. He's got that size. He's got that grit. And uh, we'll see. If Jordan Greenway doesn't have the size and grit, or doesn't use his size and add grit with it, I don't know, maybe Budrias will. And we shall see, indeed. Budrias. Oh, Hinches, get back in the lineup, buddy. 22 games, 23 points. We'll move forward there. He's not been in the lineup lately, and that's frustrating. Lodnia finally came back most recently. Finally, he's at 33 games now, 54 points. He'd generally been way up there. He was almost at two points a game for a stretch there. He's certainly ahead of last year's pace and the year before and such, but I don't know. Not exactly dominating in the OHL like Connor McDavid would, but he's, he's doing okay. 
he's doing okay. McDavid did great in the OHL. Bryce Misley finally breaking through, at least for his standards. And I'm not trying to be mean to you, Bryce, if you happen to be listening. Seven points on the season for Bryce Misley. Added a couple of assists recently. A couple. Bryce Misley, again, a guy who'd been kind of followed off and on this year for his unfortunate struggles. But it's a career high. It's a career high. He passed his uh, freshman year where he only had five points. Oh, and only four last year. Oh, so frustrating. But as a junior now, seven points on the season for a not very good Vermont team. I mean, they, they lose every game like two to one, two to nothing. It's just sad. There's just no scoring in that club. It's got to be depressing, man. Oh, I, I feel for you, Bryce. But hey, at least you're finally kind of sort of breaking through. Jacob Golden with the fact that the left shot has become a very uh, scarce position for Minnesota lately. Nice to see him kind of busting through a tiny bit. Now 21 points on the year on the blue line there. For the Erie Otters, which is where uh, Evan Ladney originally was from when the Wild drafted him. Nick Sweeney of Duluth. He's had his moments here and there. Obviously having a strong season, but he's been out again also. 11 goals, 11 assists on the season. Definitely was on pace for a career high, but he has missed a significant amount of time as well. So very frustrating at the end of the day. Kaprizov has just been a superstar, and we all know that. I mean, and there's a reason I don't cover him a whole lot because it's just, you know, impatience. I want to see him play with Minnesota, but he is leading the KHL in goals, 29. He has just been absolutely awesome. Uh, great moments. His goal-scoring ability is spectacular, and he does add assists as well. Certainly shows the passing. He's got the skating ability, and he's tough. He's not a tall guy, obviously, but he's tough. He's, he's built like a rock, and you can just see it. Uh, he's got a hell of a future in this league, and can't wait. Can't wait for you, Kaprizov. It's going to be awesome. KHL is not a place where people score very easily. And for him to do it the way he has been has been uh, quite remarkable. And can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. Sadik has been awesome in the ECHL. Former Gopher, 28 points on the season. Four of them goals in 53 games for the Allen Americans. Good for him. Nick Boca, the other guy, the other defense, and another right shot just like uh, Jack Sadik because there's 9 million right shots in Minnesota. Only 9 points on the season. Not nearly as productive. And he's missed a ton of time as Nick Boca. Unfortunately, he's been banged up uh, this season. Quite unfortunate. Mason Shaw's finally playing again, but not scoring for Iowa. Mentioned that as well. So with that said, oh, one other guy, first off. A lot of people like to talk about him as well. Very productive season for the University of Connecticut. He's at 22 points on the season. 11 goals, 11 assists, and a plus 15 for UConn. Awesome. Second round pick, 42nd overall, just last June. With that said, let's uh, move on now into fan interaction. At Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild, I'll try to keep it not as wordy. Dave Johnson says, and again, now to get it, to get the question, since you go to at Brave the Wild, but ultimately, well, you can go there. Otherwise, you can just tweet out and put hashtag BTWMN, BTWMN, and that'll be in the uh, show description as well. Dave Johnson, welcome back to the show. How stupid will Garen be if he doesn't take advantage of these crazy packaged, merely good players? Packages merely good players are getting back for their former teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I say keep it coming. If you can get a haul for Jonas Brodeen, I guess, go for it. It's a risky move, and boy, will it reek of tanking if the Wild get that done. Uh, Derek Felska, again, awesome. Thank you for Crease and Assist. Hashtag Crease and Assist. Hope you're feeling better. I already wasn't feeling so good lately. Nothing super serious, just not feeling good. You know, like this time of year. I'm not feeling too good right now either, uh, but I, I think it's allergies, though. It doesn't feel like something else. I don't want to say the word. Uh, Derek Felska was asking again, got your questions, and thank you again, Derek. Crease and Assist, highly recommend you check that out. Very, very awesome blog out there. He's been doing it for 16 years. Derek Felska jumps on board and says, 
He tweeted to me, he says, with Kovanov's declaration, it's either NHL or KHL next season. What sort of chances would you give him making the Minnesota Wild roster next season or will he be returning to Mother Russia? Well, with the center position being as bleak as it is and with the skill level Hovanov has, and I keep calling him Kovanov, but it is Hovanov according to John Torsetti. Um, who coached Moncton, uh, Moncton, pardon me, Moncton, Moncton, sorry. <sighs> you know, he needs to be here. I, I'll just put it that way. He needs to be here, per se. I mean, he better make the team, and the Wild have to be willing, man. They have to be willing. And unless it's plain as day, he's not ready. they got to have him on this roster, because if you get him, to, you let him go to the KHL, I think we're, we're screwed. You don't want to lose him. Uh, is he this elite talent, I'm not sure, but he certainly has skills that are there. He, he has special skills that other players don't. I want to strongly, strongly believe that Hovanov will be with the Minnesota Wild next season in a top six role, if you can believe it. Because, well, here's the thing. I mean, it's coming to a point of who are we going to put there, unless there's a legitimate trade coming here or some major free agent. We're probably not going to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins because he's going to demand eight or nine million a year, and I'm not paying Ryan Nugent Hopkins eight or nine million a year. I take my chances with Hovanov with that entry level contract with Minnesota. The future is now. I think I, I really do think it's now. Uh, Hovanov, I'm leaning towards he comes to Minnesota next year, and they know they pretty much have to have him here. They have to. Uh, it looks like there were some responses in that one. Let's see if see if there's anything that I need to dig up. Shane LeClaire says, where did he say this? Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing it from John Torchetti, actually. John Torchetti said it. Uh, Derek Belsko was saying, I heard he said something to, to that effect the Russian publication that interviewed him about a month ago. Dakota Case says, I'd say if he plays well enough to start the season in Minnesota, keep him. You can loan him to the KHL later if need be. Interesting. Uh, boy, yeah, I mean, I'm leaning that way. we got to have him here. We have to. I mean, he, he better make it, damn it. He better make it. Derek Felska again says, if the Minnesota Wild were an NES ice hockey team right now, what would you say their lineup would be? <laughs> would <laughs> Yep, I remember that game was funny. Would the What would the mix of fat guys, tall and skinny guys, tall and little guys would uh, would be like with the goaltending? What is it these days? Would it be no goalie mode? Uh Probably not with no goalie, but, well, and obviously the goalie is tough to control with all that. you got to control everything at once. I think there would be just one big guy. Uh, and I'm going to go with one big guy and two skinny ones and one medium-sized guy. Basically, that's what I used to call it, medium-sized guy. That would be my guess with ice hockey if that was the wild right now. Uh, you get Sean Boudreaux, though, you'd, you'd have a big one there. There you go. Uh, the, right now, the big guy's Greenway, and uh, he needs to be better. He needs to be better. Oh, man. Uh, at Brave the Wild. Let's see, not at Brave Wild. Hashtag. Puck Rocker says, How do Minnesota Wild fans send a message to ownership that $150 tickets and $11 subpart cheeseburgers, $11 subpart, wow, that's expensive, are a waste on an underperforming team. Last time Minnesota hockey fans stopped showing up, the owner used that as an excuse to move the team after he got caught doing something, yes, touching somebody somewhere, yes, at least that was that image, that's funny uh how do the fans send a message to ownership, yeah, I, I don't know I mean, other than sending letters and or just not buying seats this and that, just not buying seats uh, luckily the wild aren't going to be moving anytime soon, I would hope and I hope they never do, I hope they never do 
I would hope that the, the market is strong enough here that there's no reason to leave. I don't think Leopold's in any rush to do that. Uh, $11 cheeseburgers, though, yeah, I mean, I feel you. And uh, it's kind of like, that's just events nowadays, though. I mean, everything is just so gosh darn expensive. It's ridiculous, man. It's, it's ridiculous. Either don't buy the seats or, you know, send in letters. I mean, they, they read them. I guarantee you they read them, emails and such. They will read them, and they'll get enough pressure that way. Send, send them an email. Tom Hayen says, aside, and thank you again for the uh, reply there. I check something real quick. Cool. Okay, let's go back. Okay. Aside from the aside from vets being butthurt about ice time, yeah, really, how can any professional hockey coach justify Donato on the fourth line for the Minnesota Wild? Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm tired of the vets being butthurt. I mean, it's professionalism. I mean, it is what it is. This team needs to move younger. We need to move in the younger direction. So it's kind of like it is what it is. You guys are getting paid an exorbitant, an exorbitant amount of money. It is what it is, man. Uh, that's what I would say to them. I mean, Brian Donato should be... He's too small to be on the third line, even though he can play it at times, this and that. I mean... But then again, the third line doesn't necessarily have to mean you're big, but uh, it's probably better to have him there. Fourth line is a complete joke, though. Having him on the fourth line, I feel you. I see him as a second line guy. And again, same with Sam Honest. It's like... Yeah, he'd have to be in the top six type of thing. I mean, Donato is just, he is more valuable up there in the top six role, or at least on at least the second power play unit on occasion, if not all the time, getting a shot on that to be more productive for Minnesota. Um, I don't think they can justify it, Tom. Honestly, so good point there. Uh, Derek Felska was saying, want to vent about the wild. We'll get going. Uh, Derek Felska says, Brave the Wild is... Uh, okay, no, he's just telling it to me. Is telling the players not to quit, saying you'll trade them if they do, but to fire the coach. Isn't that an organization kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth? Don't quit, but will quit on the coach? A little bit. A little bit. Um, <laughs> a little bit, in a way. That's where Judd Zolgad comes in, thinking it might be a little reverse psychology going on from Bill Garrett, thinking that we're not tanking, but we are. You know what I mean? We're we're not. I mean, but it's like a subtle tanking. It's not like an open tanking, that type of thing, where he believes that quite possibly he's just saying it so the owner doesn't get mad and such, thinking that hey, I was paying all these guys and this and that. You know, we can't be doing that right now. We're stuck. We're stuck with them in contract. We got to keep competing. We got to make the playoffs every year. Where making the playoffs and losing in the first round just ain't gonna get you anywhere. And that's kind of where Chuck Fletcher was for so long. And if you fire Chuck Fletcher, well, obviously you're going to want a different uh, vision for the club. And a different vision for the club could mean some significant changes, and it could mean missing the playoffs a couple of years in a row. Uh, we have enough skilled guys, enough prospects. I think this team could make the playoffs and make a more significant run very quickly, where a little bit of minor, uh, you know, controlled tanking, we'll call it, is not the worst idea. So that's where I'm thinking about that. Uh, so I, I when, when Judge was talking about that, I was thinking the same thing all along. Because it is kind of talking out of two sides of their mouth. Yes, it is, Derek. Uh, so you're catching on to it perfectly there, in my opinion. Uh, it is talking out of two sides of their mouth, no doubt about it. So again, thanks for that. One more comment, it looks like. Uh, Derek Felsko says, because I was saying finally a good trade on the last episode. He says, I think the show title says 
all you really need to know, check out Brave the Wild's latest podcast. Thank you for that. Discusses the trade. Lots of other great Minnesota Wild news and fan questions. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Derek. I appreciate that so much. And do check out the Crease and Assist podcast if you could. Here's another one. Jay Bushy says, building off Tom's question, Donato justifies playing higher up in the lineup. What a, what additional what additional thing does he need to move up? Um, does he need to move up? Well, it's just in general, being consistent. Being consistent, that's pretty much what I would say with the, from Donato. Being more consistent, being involved more and more. That's kind of what he needs. Justin Beck, so I guess there's a couple more here. <laughs> it's good, though. It's good, though. Justin Beck says, I've seen this and elsewhere. Of course, no, this is Derek Felska uh, quoting the tweet for me. Thank you very much, because he was talking to kind of both of us, I guess. Yeah, he was. Justin Beck says, I've seen this and elsewhere, and it may be redundant, but with some of the returns on some of these trades, what could we conceivably get from one of our D-men? Also, how do you feel about Kalen Edison? Well, I'm optimistic about him so far. Obviously, it's it's a long way to go. What is he in the WHL? So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in the AHL. Certainly has a productivity from what I've seen. So I'm very optimistic about him because he's a hell of a scorer for, for his age and uh, this and that. Uh, just getting off to an early start. What could we conceivably get for our D-men? I think a lot. Uh, apparently the market's very, very high right now. And the reason why we haven't seen a quick trade, thank God, where Fenton might have moved a little too fast for like a quick one-for-one hockey trade. You know, I mean, we don't need a Nino Nita writer for one of our defensive. We're going to need a hell of a lot more than that. Uh, we're not going to want another Victor Rask either. <laughs> Duh, right? No, I mean, it's going to take, you know, some type of player coming back, but a significant prospect at very least. They were talking about Trocek, but if, if you know, like, and I remember, I think you talked about it too. I think so. No, that was, uh, that was Chad Walski on the, uh, Chad Walski on, uh, Minnesota Wild Global. Um, yeah, we're going to need more than Trocek for, uh, Jonas Brodeen. I think it was Chad Walski. I think so. I can't remember. I think it was. Yeah, I mean, we're going to need more. If you're then, uh, it's just Trocek, Vincent Trocek from the, uh, Florida Panthers. You're going to need a significant prospect, I think, coming back, or a high draft pick. I'm leaning towards prospect, though, because at least you have an idea what that prospect is, you know, rather than, okay, you took the prospect, and he's not any good, like when you make the draft pick. Uh, Tom continues saying, even if by some act of Gretzky, (laughs) you could get one or some of the no-move class vets to waive, is there a GM out there intoxicated enough to take on any of those contracts? If there's one guy I'd like to move right now, if I could, Zuccarello. The other two guys, I'm too scared to move them because of that stupid uh, cap recapture situation, which could kill the Wild. Right now, I, I'm too scared to move those guys because of the recapture. I, I don't want to get bleeped. So I think those guys are stuck here. Uh, Parisi Studer. I'm, I don't want to get stuck in that. because It's going to kill this team if it happens. Unless they were... It's actually better if they left now, but, <clears throat> but the cap thing would... The cap recapture would last longer, but it'd be much smaller. At the end, it's just a big, giant, $40 million black hole that would destroy this team in so many ways. So that's something to worry about. But uh, Zuccarello and... Uh, <clears throat> Zuccarello and Stahl are the two guys I would not mind trading right now, uh, today, if, if possible, if you can get something. I want to trade Zuccarello badly. As good as he is, cool guy, great passer, great playmaker. He can score a little bit too. He had a good couple game or a good one game recently, finally. But um, I'd trade him in in a heartbeat if we could. If we could. If there was something we could get back for him. 
I do it in a heartbeat. With that said, the other guys, Suter and Parisi, I'm too scared because of that damn cap recapture situation. It could kill us. With that said, I cannot thank you guys enough. Tom, Derek, Jay, Dave Johnson, Justin Back. I could go on and on. Uh, thank you guys so much for the questions. You guys are awesome. And Derek, thank you so much for uh, bringing people to me to ask these questions. It makes the show better. It really does. Uh, you've been awesome, and I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, always fun talking hockey with you and retro gaming and such. Hope you start feeling better. Hope I start feeling better, too. I don't know what's in the air right now. It's, I don't know. It's like, a, for me, it's like an allergy. Even my wife as well. It's getting kind of weird. Uh, it's freezing cold, too, but that's going to change here in the Twin Cities area, depending on where you guys might be from. Most of you are from here. Uh, most of you. At Brave the Wild, again, is the Twitter account. Uh, the show's length is a little bit more reasonable today. This is probably about it, you know, probably about what it's going to be, maybe a little over an hour most of the time. It's nice if I can even keep it to one hour, but there was some significant news, this and that, and a lot to talk about. Who knows what will happen as we move forward with that. But uh, Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash bravethewild.minnesota. Do check that out. Again, MNW Prospects, facebook.com forward slash MNW Prospects. Join that and join the conversation. Keep up with everything from... Zach Parisi all the way down to Jack Sadik, if you know what I mean, all the way across the organization and the systems of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the BCHL. Those are the two things I cover for that page. I'm just having a blast doing that. Sometimes it's tough if it's late and it's tired, but I don't care. You know what? Even if it's late and I'm tired, I'll still do it. You know, like getting home from work, I'll still do it and I still love doing it. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on board. Uh, Minnesota Wild Global, major shout out to you as well. Chad Walski. Chance Costick, David Costick, uh, Scott Cavendish, many others out there. Thank you guys so much. Uh, awesome page as well. Thank you, thank you so much for the fun hockey community you guys have built. Uh, all, all of you. Minnesota Wild Global, like I said. MNW Prospects, Crease and Assist. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. You're some of the coolest people in the world. I can't thank you enough for... Uh, for joining this show and having a conversation. And please tell your friends about the show if you could. Please tell your friends about the show. They could check it out. Hopefully, you know, write a positive review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts if you could. Write a positive review, five stars, four stars, whatever it is. Write what you like about the show, maybe what you want improved, this and that. You could tweet me as well. Hashtag Brave the Wild. You could even make it public that way and I could read it. And I don't care. I mean, heck, if you want to say improve on this, improve on that, as long as it's not too harsh, that'd be nice. Uh, thanks again, guys, and God bless you. Tell your friends about the show. Uh, one final thing, audio submission. Click on the, uh, there's a f- free voice recording application on every smart device on the planet. Just click on it, click record, treat it like a phone call, hit stop, save it, email the uh, recording to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com, and then you'll be in the fan interaction with your voice as well. Even though the fan interaction is getting busier, hey, why not? Why not add your voice to it too? Otherwise, hashtag... BTWMN is just fine. That is awesome. Thank you, guys. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. God bless you, and we'll talk to you in a week, and we'll see who's on the roster, because next week it's going to be different, quite possibly, as of Monday the 24th. Until then, take care.